0: Welcome to a special episode of the Purple Rock Survivor podcast. I'm John. My co-host for tonight is Matt, and that alone might help you tip off who our guest is. Uh, We've promised you guys some interviews with Survivor Second Chance nominees, and tonight we're talking to someone that Matt has been demanding return to Survivor for years now, Andrew Savage. So, Savage, welcome to the show. Hey,
1: thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. I I really appreciate it.
0: No problem. Uh, Yeah, we should say, first off, While you're listening to this, go vote right now, repeatedly, for Savage to get back on this season in Survivor's Second Chance Ballots on CBS.com. I'm voting multiple times per day. All of us are. Just keep voting until he gets back on. So recently, I actually watched your season again, coincidentally. My wife and I watched it. And so my very first question for you is from her. She wants to know, how exactly do you remain so handsome? (laughs)
1: wow i uh (laughs) i love your wife hey me too i uh i will tell you honestly i i married my soulmate my wife is uh just kind of saved my life we met 21 years ago and if anyone would tell me today that i'm this much in love with my wife and and my two teenage daughters i would have Looked at you like you had three heads. I was so close. I was so close to being a confirmed bachelor, and then she she rocked my world. We met and were married uh, fairly quickly thereafter. So she keeps she keeps me young, and uh, it's it's just a zest for life, right? Just it's all a a, a mindset. So I I tell friends of mine that I feel like I'm 25 years old, and then I look in the mirror and I realize I'm not, but uh, but I, I do. I feel like I'm 25.
0: Okay, so the key is for my wife. It's all on her, basically. It's all on. Yeah.
1: No (laughs) pressure, but it's all on her.
0: Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. It really takes the pressure off me. (laughs) So Pearl Islands, we've discussed it on the show many times. We actually did season rankings, and I believe it came in third or fourth overall for us. Um, Has the best premiere episode of any Survivor season we've ever seen. One of the things that happens right at the start of the show is uh, you guys are theoretically going out for a photo shoot, and you're kicked off the boat because the game is starting right then and you go to a town to start shopping for various supplies you're given some token amount of money and rupert comes and steals all of your shoes and sells them off yes he does how long was it before they gave you guys shoes because there's no way they were going to let you play the game without shoes
1: so here's what happened is uh this was very personal to me and i'll tell you why uh rupert stole one pair of shoes, uh, and he stole, He actually stole the the inserts, the orthotics, <laughs> and those were mine. So I have unusually high arches, and the orthotics cost a ton of money. They're like $400, $400 for orthotics, and without them, my feet don't work for very long. And that's what he took. And uh, and that's my, my bad, totally my bad for leaving them out in the open like that. And, uh, and he was acting in character, which he should, which was very pirate <laughs> and it, it's a, a great way to start the show. And, but, uh, I teased him a lot afterwards saying he owes me a pair of orthotics, so.
0: <laughs> well, he could apparently afford them because he won the, uh, million dollar fan prize. Yes. He, season. he can
1: order, he can <laughs> afford a few pairs. Yeah.
0: So I'm assuming they replaced your shoes at some point soon thereafter.
1: So I had, I had, those were my, uh, my dress shoes, if you remember, I had the Armani suit on. So, yes. you know, I was, yes. I was supposed to be coming, you know, from the office, my Armani suit. So, those are my dress shoes, my work shoes. And I had a separate uh, pair of orthotics in my, in my gym shoes, which were for challenges. So, fortunately, I had the spare orthotics. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. This
2: actually brings me to a very important question. When you get voted back on, because I am not propositioning this as an if, when you get voted back on, <laughs> are, you, are you wearing an Armani suit again?
1: So um I will tell you this. So see so uh for all the folks on the list, the wardrobe picks and all the entire wardrobe is is finished. So cbs CBS Survivor Entertainment Group has selected all the wardrobe and we're not allowed to say what we're being asked to wear what we're not. But uh I will tell you it will it will uh bring back memories.
0: <laughs> it will okay. only be fitting is what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, speaking of clothing, in that first trip into the city of your season austin ends up selling all of his and at one point we see skinny ryan saying you know guys we still have some money but you're ending up you know you're taking off for the boat already Uh, (laughs) so did austin really end up selling his under or playing in his underwear for nothing
1: yes so austin (laughs) all that he had was his abercrombie and, and Fitch uh boxer shorts and he sold all his clothes, uh, a little short-sighted, you might say. And we actually did have uh, a fair amount of money left. And the reason for that that's not apparent at the beginning is that we didn't have any Spanish-speaking people, right? Our, our folks, no one yeah. even had Spanish as a second language. Sandra, her first language was Spanish. So she goes into – and this is my fault. I should have I just hounded her and stuck with her the whole time. Uh, but we didn't know she was Spanish-speaking. So she bought practically the entire village – and yeah. we got a, a handful of supplies and had money left over because we couldn't, I mean, it took me a half hour to, to relate to a guy what a fish hook is. <laughs> and and hey. we had, you know, the sun's starting to set. We had limited, limited time to get our boat. And, and the, from the boat to the Island was an enormous distance, a distance. It, it, it took probably an hour, hour and a half to get to our Island. So didn't have a oh, lot wow. of time. Yeah. So. The the, uh, the lesson is I should have taken Spanish in high school.
0: <laughs> so you're going to practice your Cambodian then before you know go <laughs> on? <it? laughs> exactly.
1: All right, Learn yes. the word for fishhook. Yes, that yeah. would be good.
0: Sandra ran that thing like a swap meet. I mean, she was negotiating with everybody. So, stunning. Yeah. Just
1: absolutely stunning. Because we didn't know that was going on. We were in a different part of the village. Right. But uh, watching the first episode was very painful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, I actually imagine the first few episodes were pretty painful because you guys went on a a lengthy losing streak there <laughs> at the beginning.
1: Well, uh, I think maybe the first five episodes, <laughs> <were> yeah, <laughs> painful, yeah.
0: Um, and to me, I mean, just watching it again, I'm going back to rewatch it probably a month ago. It was pretty obvious that their losing streak was in large part because the other tribe was just eating massive amounts of fish that Rupert was catching, and you guys were starving. Correct. So, was it ever addressed at Tribal Council that you know it wasn't just that you didn't have the will to win? It was because you didn't have carbs or protein in you? Uh,
1: That we sucked in terms of getting food. (laughs) (laughs) So we were, you know, I was the leader of the tribe, so all this is on me. We come out of the gate, we lose the first five challenges. Uh, We sucked, and that was just abysmal. And then we put together what I think may be the greatest comeback in the history of Survivor. Having said that, it's interesting, as I reflect on Survivor, and and I don't, Make excuses. But what I do like to do is, is give some behind the scenes facts so you can uh, reach an opinion on your own. So when I went over to the the Drake tribe, the reality is that where their camp was on that beach was a very tranquil lagoon. And, and we used to call it the fishbowl because you'd stick your head in the water and you'd be like, oh my gosh, this is an aquarium. And then on, on the flip side, on the Morgan side, we had pounding surf, this incredible beach, beautiful pounding surf, and the, you know, the the pounding surf would lull us to sleep at night. But the reality is very few fish hung out in the pounding surf. They're on the other, other side of the island where the lagoon is, and getting to that other side is, is very dense jungle and virtually impenetrable, which is when Rhino and I got lost for a long time. Yes. Um, so Rupert comes to our side uh, when we steal him in that challenge, and, and he gets two or three fish in like 12 hours because there's no fish in our lagoon and the pounding surf. And he's, he's a big dude. And uh, so he was even getting tossed around in in the waves and the surf. And we tried, you you know, about 5% of what you see every season on TV. You know, the other 95% is what actually happens on Survivor. We spent, I can't tell you how many days we spent, Rhino and I, fishing and trying to get fish, and uh, it just wasn't happening for us. It was terrible.
0: And then Lil eventually loses your hook.
1: Yeah, she had the uh, fisherman's knot. She tied the hook because she's a Boy Scout troop master, and she knows how to do these things. And then a little puffer fish comes and breaks her knot and loses our only hook. So that (laughs) that was disappointing for sure. When you see a Boy Scout uniform now, how do you react? (laughs) So I two i react two ways you know viscerally very deeply i want to throw up <laughs> i do i come down with cold chills and, and i kind of do that gag reflex and then i realize then i realize, being a level-headed gentleman that uh, the boy scout boy scouts of america are an amazing organization and one bad boy scout troop master does not uh poison the entire goodwill and character of an amazing organization but uh took me a while. You know, it's funny. <laughs> on my Twitter feed, I have one super fan that uh, tweeted something to the effect, uh, Savage, you were my favorite per lives. You got totally screwed. And on the on behalf of Boy Scouts of America, I truly apologize. Oh,
0: oh
2: that's, that's a great tweet. <laughs> it's,
0: uh, it's hilarious. So we talk on this podcast a lot about how just luck is a big factor in the game. I mean, you already mentioned one thing, that you're you're on a beach that just happens to be harder to fish. Yes. Um, and, again, that leads to you guys starving, makes winning challenges a lot harder. But I think the absolute worst possible luck is, of course, the outcast twist. Yes. Um, you, like you said, you somehow managed to claw back from an early huge deficit and you tied it up. Uh, you were even at the merge. And then Probst drops the bomb on you that uh, these people that you voted out are going to come back and compete at that time, are you just thinking like, "Oh, that's okay. You know, we'll win this challenge. It won't be a big deal. None of them are coming back."
1: No, no. And I think you could tell if you if you saw my face. What I was in disbelief. It was one of the most jaw dropping moments of my entire life. And the reason for that, as I said earlier, is that for the last twelve fifteen days, we did everything we possibly could in incredibly difficult conditions to engineer arguably the greatest comeback in the history of Survivor. And and we almost died doing it. But we did it because we call ourselves the five Morgans. We truly loved each other as family. And it's not often that you hear the, the word family and love in the same sentence as survivor. But it's true. We, we really loved each other. And at the same time, we hated, deeply hated the Drakes. And we had this single, single goal was for revenge and to restore the Morgan pride. And we did that in 15 days. And that whole time all the outcasts were doing whatever they're doing. They come sauntering in with, you know, clean clothes. They gained weight and, uh, they're all smiling and, and, and it was jaw dropping to me when you put forth that type of effort to even the game and we're starving. We have, you know, a handful of rice every day and, and we have to do these amazing things to just gather firewood and to boil water, to kill all the bugs and the maggots. And it's just exhausting. And then to see them walk in and suddenly, the game has turned on its head. So that everything we just did for the last 15 days is meaningless. Because there's no way that somebody in that tribe is not getting back in the game. I mean, why would you do the outcast twist if no one in the outcast tribe gets back in the game? It would look stupid.
0: Right. Right? It, it would have been a waste of time.
1: Total waste of time. Yeah. And, and it would and it, it'd be, it'd be insane and stupid. So you knew someone was going to get back in. And I just had this sinking feeling that, that the game had completely changed and all that hard work vanished in 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 a matter of seconds, and it was devastating to me. And I was staring at probes at the time, and I was just channeling this just raw anger and and <laughs> just, and, and and disgust. Like I love Survivor. I'm a Survivor purist. Outwit, outlast, outplay, or out, outwit, Outplay last. And 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 we outlasted all those folks. We outplayed them. They're voted out because they're not worthy. The folks in the game are more worthy at the time. And and I'm just. Shooting these daggers at him. And oh, it,
0: it came across. Trust me. Did <laughs> I was it? watching
1: well, it. Yeah, I just, I just could not. And then, and I was so angry. I don't know, uh, John, and Matt, if you've ever been so angry, so incensed that you, you kind of don't hear everything accurately. And I didn't even hear Probes say that. You know, if the Outcast twist, if a couple of the tribe members get in the game, they have immunity for the next uh, tribal. I didn't even hear that. So I didn't. We lose two. Get in. Lil comes over. I didn't come over yet, but I, you know, did this just infuriated speech to the, to the Morgans and said, "I don't care who the f comes back in our tribe; they're out the first tribe." When Rhino goes, uh, "Yeah, it doesn't work that way," <laughs> <laughs>
2: and
1: I, and I, I, knew, I was so angry, I nearly fainted. But
0: uh, yeah, and you you kind of addressed something there that the show tried to portray it as these outcasts were, you know, living on these same meager rations that you guys were getting, right? But you could pretty clearly see. That uh Burton, who is not a small guy, certainly did not look skinny like no. you and you and OT were already starting to look pretty skinny at that point. That's and right. yeah, Burton went the other way. Looked like he packed on a few pounds.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And and if nothing else, right? Say they have the same food rations and whatever. If nothing else, they had fresh water. Yeah. And and right. just I can't tell you guys. Just to gather firewood, keep the fire going, to get a flame high enough to boil water for two hours to to purify it, it takes six, seven hours to do that. Just that alone is exhausting. Mm -hmm. And to to turn a faucet and get fresh water (laughs) is is, (laughs) an unbelievable, unbelievable advantage. And even even if that were were their only advantage, that's enough to to kick our butts.
2: Right. I mean, and they also wouldn't have had to deal with any of the strategic uh, stress or social stress that in the game puts on you yeah. That's exactly right and you know i
1: i a couple times i referred to rupert and uh Sean burton as grizzly adam and his and two horses i mean <laughs> those guys are just beefy real athletes and and great competitors and we had to we had to take them on head on every single time and it wears on you and then you yeah. gotta you either get your butt kicked in a challenge and get humiliated then you gotta go back to your tribe restart the fire get firewood boil water, try to find some food somewhere, and uh, it just, as you said, it, it just it beats you down. And if you don't have to deal with that, if you're in a little tent or a beach cabana with your fresh uh, clean water, then uh, that's an advantage.
0: Yeah, so that was the other thing I was going to ask is, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but what sort of accommodations were they put up in? Because generally you get sent to a Ponderosa location that's a <laughs> more plush.
1: Yeah, I don't, you know. It 's been twelve years, and i 'll tell you that uh, Burton 's a buddy of mine, Sean Cohen's a buddy of mine, so's Rupert, those guys, even Fairplay. Um, so we talked about that over you know some drinks a long, long time ago. I had a survivor party when I lived in l a and all the kind of l a county survivors came. It was an absolute blast, and uh, so they were telling me you know Burton was telling me a little bit about uh, why he gained weight. When he was voted out as an outcast, so let's just say I don't think it was uh, a similar living (laughs) living conditions living conditions at us as us. And I got to say, guys, I'm okay with that. You know, one thing I love about Survivor are the 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 blind sides, the twists um, that you don't see coming, and that's totally okay. And I'm totally okay with the outcast twist. I am. It's just it, it just it breaks my heart that I was in the crosshairs of the outcast with and, and was the one sent packing and had my personal adventure of a lifetime uh ripped from my from my hands in, in a matter of a day and a half. It just broke my heart. And I've been tormented by that for twelve years and that's why I'm just dying to get back out there and to to uh Kind of right this wrong, and to to pour everything I have back into everything I had, all these reserves, right? I was out day twenty one. I had all these reserves and strategies and great things I was going to do uh, in my adventure of a lifetime that that had been just brewing and percolating for twelve years, and it, it's, it's dying to get out. I got to let it out.
0: Well, hey, and you kind of mentioned this here. You like you you were basically explicitly the leader of the tribe. I mean, they said, Savage yep. is our leader. And from what we see on the show, at least, it seems like you were never remotely in any danger of being voted out. I mean, you said you're, you're basically like a family out there. You five were really tight. Um, so if you had kept control of the game post-merge, did you have a plan of who you wanted to sit next to at Final Tribal?
1: So that's exactly right. So one thing about kind of old school survivors, especially Pearl Islands, is, is I didn't have to play the mental game. There was never a hint on the morgan tribe that i was going to go home ever so that that's a disadvantage to me right because the, the kind of the new yeah. school of survivors it's just it's mental game on steroids it's just uh-huh. a mile a minute hugely aggressive and huge risks and big gains and big losses that type of thing so the the, the outcast twist was fascinating to me and it it, it may be interesting here's an interesting little anecdote um sure if the outcast twist didn't happen, what would happen at the merge? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had all the Pearl Island survivor, a bunch of them together one night years ago. And we played that out. And, and what came really, you guys who love this. It was fascinating to me because it didn't really play out that, that, uh, that well, that obvious on the show is that Sean Cohen, who's a decent guy, did not like the Drake tribe at all. he, just had uh, an affinity for the Morgans. Mm -hmm. just said he's more like the Morgans. And he said if the Outcast twist didn't happen, what he was dying for was the merge. And as soon as the merge happened, he was coming over to the Morgans. We would have had six, they would have had four. We would have picked off the Drakes one by one. Then we have our our final six. And I will say, your question, John, I think was, who would I have taken to the final three? Mm -hmm. I would have taken Rhino for sure. And I'll tell you that I was asked a number of times in the side interviews by the producers would I give up Rhino to for, to to go further and deeper into the game? And And I was in Survivor's really a funky adventure because fairly quickly you forget that you're on TV, you forget about the cameras, and it's actually this wild, extreme slice of life. And in that slice of life for me, Rhino was my little brother. I would never, under any circumstances, cut him loose. And I told the producers, never. I will never vote. I, I told him I would jump on that, that grenade, jump on that sword before I would let anybody take him out. So Rhino would have been uh, in my final two. And uh, the third would be really fascinating. To me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it know? didn't really matter then, I guess, as much to, for the third.
1: Uh, so I, I check this out. I think you'd be surprised by this because I'm thinking Austin Taylor, OT, who's a very, very close friend of mine. And he had a very bad edit. The show. Uh I mean, he's just this larger-than-life guy that everybody loves. He's always just this huge light when he walks into a room, and uh, and he got a a pretty tough edit. And my my thought is because he was losing two pounds a day. He's a big bodybuilder, and we didn't have any protein, so he's dropping two pounds a day. And at the merge, if he just and I tried to talk him into this, if he would have just stuck with it to the merge. We would have filled him full of fish, get the protein he needs, and he'd be, re- restore himself very quickly to this larger-than-life individual mm-hmm. that, he, that he is. And if you remember the first two episodes where he's running around the island, just this larger-than-life character, that's who he is in real life. But then he had three staph infections, and he's losing two pounds a day, and it just beat him up, and it just ripped his heart out. But if we could restore him to the old Austin, then I would, I would definitely take him to the final final three and then you got you know Tawana and Dara just two beautiful they're like my little sisters and and they're great competitors very athletic
0: so it wouldn't have intimidated you to take that Rhino and OT to a final three
1: no not at all
0: you were were, were confident that one of them would have taken you if they won
1: I think Rhino I know Rhino would Austin uh, at the time uh, maybe not because he had a, a soft spot for Tawana (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, I think Rhino would have taken me, but I'll tell you this, he, he was, uh, he had a real soft spot for Dara, which is, I'll tell you, just is really, it's just throwing me back to what actually happened. So when we voted Lil out, I actually argued to keep her because she was great around the, she was in charge of the fire
2: uh-huh.
1: and, and keeping the fire going, starting the fire was exhausting and I didn't want to do it. So if we vote her out, I knew I had to take care of the fire and I didn't <laughs> want to do it. So I said, to uh, Rhino and O.T. I said, let's get rid of Dara. I mean, she's great in challenges, but she doesn't do a lot around camp. And Rhino said, absolutely not, because he had a big crush on her. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why we voted out Lil. I didn't want to vote her out. And it was just so ironic, right, that she comes back to to flip sides and, and vote me out. But originally, I wanted to keep Lil for her work ethic and rhino would not hear of it
0: and what's so funny is that Lil entirely blames you when she comes back too for yeah and I telling told her. her that she's going home
1: yeah if you want to just for a second I want to clear that up once and for all so and Lil admits to this in all her exit interviews if you not that you would but if you ever go back 12 years when she was voted out all her exit interviews so what happened is we're still on our island getting ready to go to tribal and she comes over to me she said savage I know I'm going home I set all this firewood under this tree, so if it rains, and it did every night, it won't get wet. So when you come back from tribal, I won't be here, of course, but uh, the fire will be the fire will be dry, and you can start your fire again. And so I hugged her and I said, "Lil, it's not personal. I have to go with my alliance. I didn't want to vote you out, but that's that's uh, that's survivor, right? It's numbers." She hugged me again and said, "That's okay. I understand." And then we go to the, the tribal council, and uh, we're getting mic'd up, and and she hugged me again. I said, "I'm so sorry, Lil." And she said, "It's okay. I understand." So then, you know the outcast twist. She gets back in. We merge. She asked. I said, "You know, will you let me know?" And she said, "Remember when you when you told me you would let me know, and you never did." And if you look at that carefully, I'm just stunned because we had this whole conversation on the island, and I just thought to myself that she must be crazy because she doesn't <laughs> re- remember that. And and all and and then she submitted in all the exit interviews because she was asked the same question. Why do you think uh, Andrew or Savage didn't tell you he was voting you out? And she said, well, actually, he did, and yada, yada, yada. So I was so stunned when she said, remember when I asked you to tell me and you didn't? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs>
2: and anyway. it's funny, on, on the CBS voting page, your video actually leads off with that very clip of her saying, remember when you didn't. And you can see you looking just confused. Like you I have was no st- idea what she's talking about.
1: <laughs> stunned. I mean, I looked like I – drank a bottle of tequila and was ready to pass <laughs> pass out. I'm like, what what are you talking about? And I can't I can't believe CBS that, that is my clip, honestly. Of all the clips they could use. And that, that's the one.
0: My uh I think we my, thought for sure that it was going to be the uh challenge where you strap the weight onto your shoulders. Yeah, I thought for sure that was going to be it.
1: Well I, I, I was I, hoping. I don't I don't know why I don't know I don't know what other clip you could use. I mean that that was that was uh, as you guys know that was the challenge before the merge. If we lose that, we go in with four. Drake has six, and we're done. Yeah. We got a. We have it's a it's a must win, and and uh, you can see it in the the Morgan guys' uh, eyes. We had game face on, and and I got to credit Johnny Fairplay, the little pissant. And you don't really <laughs> see this, but he's sneering the whole time. He's sneering at me, and there's a, at one point when I've got I think 175 pounds on my back, and it's been whatever a half hour or something. He looks at me. And, uh, somebody on his tribe says, do we put it on Savage, wait on Savage? And he goes, no, he's done. And I just sneered at him. And that's all I needed that <laughs> nasty little, he's done. I'm like, F you, brother. I'm, <laughs> I'm here for another couple hours. Let's go. And, uh, it's just amazing when you're in that situation, the little things that can just feel like this massive injection of energy and just his little sneer. He's done like, all right, let's see how tough you really think I am.
0: I'm assuming you were getting a little afraid there when uh, Austin dropped out. I think Krista ended up lugging as much weight as Austin did, although you can tell Austin's pretty beat down at that point.
1: Yes, exactly. Krista was uh, so tough. And Austin, yeah, Austin, uh, I could see him through to the left peripheral vision. I could see he had that look on his face. He wasn't going to last much longer. And, uh, yeah, so he caved. Unfortunately, Rupert caved quickly too, and that was just an amazing dose of adrenaline to see rupert cave and then i saw sean and i could see sean was was uh wavering quivering a little bit and and <laughs> it was awesome because i heard johnny fairplay say sean this challenge is made for you and five seconds later he caved and it was <laughs> beautiful and as soon as soon as he caved i'm like done you know i can i can hang yeah and, uh, load up kristen we're, we're we got our victory
0: yeah, and you can see the elation on your face when when it finally happens too. Just the, even I think P- Probst even brings it up. He says something like, "You all right? Like you, yeah. You look like you know this, The weight of the world is off your shoulders or something like that." Which, yeah, literally. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I wanted to share something that that is interesting. Uh, John and Matt after that. So that challenge was it just seemed forever, of course. And when I we finally won, I threw the weights off my back, and you'll see how I fell to the ground. The reason I fell to the ground. Is I was paralyzed from the waist down for. <laughs> I said, no, no, true story, true story. For about a minute. It seemed like five minutes, it probably was. So it was probably a minute. So Austin and Rhino come over and they're like, come on, get up. And I'm like, get away from me. Don't even touch me. I couldn't feel anything. And about a minute went by. And then, the, fortunately, the, the sensation came back. And then T came over and kissed my forehead. And uh, and I got up. And it was this confluence of of just overpowering emotion about having won the challenge and we go in five, five knowing that we lost the first five challenges out of the gate. It was the, the sensation of, Hey, I'm not paralyzed. I can just <laughs> blow a, a disc in my back. I'm not going to be in a wheelchair. And it was just the energy of the Morgans and how much we loved each other and the celebration. And I, and I started to tear up and probes came over and he, and he said, are those tears in your eyes? And I was choked up. I couldn't even talk. I just shook my head and I, I said, yes, tears of joy.
2: That's a great story.
1: It was yeah. amazing, and and I, I, I feel you know, twelve years ago, but I feel like uh, it were yesterday. It's uh, it, it, you know something you go through something like that, and and uh, it just stays with you, and it doesn't get old. Just I can uh, relive those sensations. It was it was very powerful, so, and I will tell you one other thing. If you look really closely, and this is fun. I haven't watched our season for probably ten years, but if you look uh, right when Probes is handing me that idol. It catches Rupert to the left of the screen, and just check out the joy and admiration in Rupert's face when the idol is handed over to the Morgans. It, it would just speaks a lot about Rupert. I mean, you could see that he, that he just had a lot of respect for the effort that we we're putting forward. because You know, he's a he loves Survivor as well.
0: Yeah, it yeah. uh, well, actually, kind of leads into one of the things I wanted to talk about too. Uh, were you shocked at how immensely popular Rupert became because of that season? I I was. I I, I Was was it coming through on, you know, while you're out there, how big of a character he's going to be, how like lovable he's going to come across on TV? I I
1: would say this. So Rupert's a friend of mine, right? He's a great guy. As I said earlier, 95% of what happens on Survivor, it doesn't make the cut, Mm -hmm. right? You don't see it on TV. So there's a lot of things you didn't see. So my experience in survivor, everyone's experience on Survivor is much different from what the fans actually see, and and so there's things that Rupert did that uh, would not create this larger than life person, mm-hmm. but by the same token, he did some things that were so lovable, and 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 he just embodied this pirate spirit, which is perfect for the theme of the show, that I was not surprised that he was chosen. I mean, I think he got, I think we got back to the mainland and then you know three weeks later he's back out on all-stars so i wasn't surprised that he was selected for all-stars i was surprised that he became you know america's vote million dollars one of the (laughs) most maybe the most popular survivor ever in the history of survivor that did surprise me but all-star status absolutely not He, he totally deserved that and he I mean, the things that he could do, he's like a manatee in the water. I mean, he, <laughs> and he, he's unbelievable in the water and getting fish, and he's a real tough guy. He's got, and he's got a huge heart, so well-deserved.
0: Um, Speaking of All-Stars, has there been any other times over the course of these 12 years that you've been given a quick call from CBS <laughs> just, just to check up on your interest or anything like that?
1: Yeah, there, there was uh, – I was trying to remember how many times, but there was um, – it was definitely three times for All Stars. I got I got the call. One of them was very close. I went and got you know eight inoculations, was ready to go, and then it just fell apart. So I've been down this road. That's why this is. Uh, I mean, dude, I'm I'm on the list now, which is amazing yes. to me. <laughs> you know, when I got the call, you know, I love CBS and, and Survivor Entertainment Group. So when I got the call, the the person that called me said. Andrew, you are on the list. We're not putting you through this again. You're on the list. You don't have to worry about that. And I I, I, I teared up. I couldn't believe it because I'd been through this so many times and thanked thanked them about three million times. So <laughs> I wake up in the morning and I have to pinch myself because this is an absolute dream for me that I honestly, um, John and Matt, I did not think that this would happen for me. So I'm so close and, and you know, hopefully the the Survivor fans Um, Can hear my passion that uh, and and that they'll vote for me. It is truly a dream come true.
0: I don't know how big of a Survivor fan you are and how many seasons you've seen, but the the correlation I usually make when I'm discussing you to you know fans that haven't seen your season yet is if you watched Palau and watched Tom Westman win that season, that that to me was basically where you were headed in Pearl Islands. You were going to take the Tom Westman route to the end. And that's how you were going to win. I feel like a couple seasons later, he took your exact same path, and he actually got to the finish line without the Abcast twist in his way.
1: Thank you, John. That honestly you just gave me goosebumps because <laughs> I don't I don't know Tom, but but uh, I was asked a little while ago who do I most admire prior uh, Survivor, and Tom is number one for sure. I, I loved his game, and in the All Stars, I remember. Uh, somebody was being disrespectful to one of the female tribe mates and he called him out and said, not, don't ever do that again. Not when I'm around. And that's the kind of, that's how I'm wired. So I think Tom and I have a lot in common and, and I, I have to agree with you. I know what would happen if the uh, outcast twist didn't happen. And I was deep in the game and and I had a real shot at final three. And if you put me on final three with my, uh, my final tribal and my speech, I'm going to get the million dollars.
0: Have you already started rehearsing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer for like 25 years. I I've tried a lot of cases. I I've done a lot of opening statements, closing statements to juries. And, uh, I just, it's, it's just, it's something that, uh, it's part of my job. I know how to do it. And, um, and it just, you know, I pull on, I, I draw upon things that really matter, you know? deep, deep emotional type of things that, that people relate to. And anyway, so my goodness, if I could ever, first of all, get on the second chance season and then make it that far, uh, be magical.
0: Well, uh, if you're the type that would stand up for women, I guess you would have had a whole lot of experience if you had been cast for this past season or the season, I guess that it's still going, that almost yes. feels like a past season already. All right. Yeah, man. let's,
1: we can t- I just, you know, that, that, uh, what Will did, I, uh, I couldn't have stood by and and tolerated that, and and I, I know what I would have done because I I don't react well in those situations. I would have gone up to Will and and said, one more word out of you, and I will knock you out. Right. Honestly, right. and 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 I don't I don't know how big he is. I don't care. I don't I don't think he would have said another word, and we should have just ended it right there. Yeah. Because what Shereen has gone through, no one should have to go through, and and it's disgusting. And I bet if he has Tom Westman or Terry Dietz, they would say the same thing.
0: Well, and. Were you always that person or did fatherhood make you that person?
1: Because you do have two teenage girls. Yes, I do. Exactly. Uh, I would say I am my father's son. So my dad was from Scotland, old school Scotland, Golden Gloves Boxer, Royal Air Force. And if anybody looked the wrong way at my sister or mother, he would have knocked him out. And then I, I look identical to my dad. So I think it's, it's just the way we're wired
2: well, actually, since we're now talking about a more recent season, how do you think your game would adapt to the modern game? You know, you've even said that the game has changed.
1: Yep. now it's a great question. So you know, I, you might suspect I <laughs> spent a little time pondering this and hopefully getting on second chances. So my game is is different and also the same. So my game is to align with good people, hardworking people, people that I can reasonably trust i know it's survivor but you know there are folks on that list that you can totally trust and just to, to, to develop these really deep meaningful mutual respect relationships and when you do that on survivor my experience is you bind together as a family and you go on these incredible runs and in challenges and just decimate the other side and then the whole time when i said my strategy is a little different uh it's just being flexible and 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 you know so as I said earlier, with the Morgan tribe, I never had to really play the mental game. And and that's obviously not the case if I get on second chances. So it's being super sensitive and and vigilant about folks and what makes them tick. What are their proclivities? What are their weaknesses? And and just being very mindful of that and, and where they're leaning and who they're aligning with. And you know, New Survivor is just the mental game, the strategy game on steroids. And from what I can see, it's unbelievably aggressive. And people take huge risks with huge moves, huge maneuvers that have huge rewards. And they have huge losses because of it. And, and I love that, right? So if I get a chance to play second chance uh, Survivors, I, uh, I'm going to go for broke. And if I, if I come out with this huge loss and I get out early, that's okay because I'm all in. I just want that chance to, to, to get back in the island, remote location, and just to go all in and play with every ounce of heart and spirit that I have. And I've always said there's a good 30%, 40% of Survivor that's just plain old luck. Uh-huh. And, if you, you give and me just, we agree. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just give me 10%, 20% of that luck, and I can go deep into the game. And, uh, and that's, that's what I'm looking for.
0: And it sounds like uh, challenge victories and those sorts of things are a huge motivator for you. Did you have an athletic background prior to Survivor?
1: Yeah, so I always played sports. I played four sports in high school. Uh, I played college football after college. Yeah. In law school, I played rugby, top-level rugby, for 10 years. I Now I play uh, sand, two-on-two sand volleyball for the last 12 years. It's my passion. So, yeah, and I... You know, to prepare for Survivor, I, I trail run all the time. I'm back in the pool doing laps. And uh, so I
2: love the outdoors and, and I I love sports. Absolutely. So it has been 12 years since you've played. Do you think there's anything? What parts of your game do you think are, you know, a little weaker than that? And what parts of your game do you think would be stronger than 12 years ago? So stronger, I, this, I said this uh, on a different
1: interview. I'm actually quite a bit fitter. Than I was 12 years ago, and and you know the the guy asking me how can that possibly be, and I said, well, I got the call about five six weeks ago from Survivor, and and I was pretty fit before then, and I just kicked it up a notch, and uh, so physically I'm quite a bit fitter than last time. Uh, I, I I'm the first to admit my personal game, my mental game is uh, something that I need to be super mindful of, and uh, and reading people and. And not underestimating uh, their perception of me, you know, because I'm 51 yeah. years old, 51 years old now. And it's interesting to me. My wife tells me all the time, if you get back on there, your weakness is going to be your your mental game, your your strategy game. Your, she said, I know you can kick butt in all the challenges. That's easy for you, but you have to work on uh, on the strategy game. And so I've been you know, talking to her about it and and I haven't I don't know anybody on the list men or women and and uh so i've got some homework to do right (laughs) okay a lot of homework to
0: do i should ask you guys i I was gonna say i'll try to print up some cliff notes for you or something like that (laughs) yeah well yeah (laughs) i I could use them for sure yeah do you think that uh the fact that you're a parent of teenage girls now is going to give you a little bit more of a ground to draw from when you're interacting with some assuming that these some of the younger women make it on the season do you think that you'll come from a better place when interacting with them?
1: I do. I absolutely do. So my oldest is, uh, 17, going to be 18 in, um, November. Her name's McKenzie. And, uh, so she's a woman, right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and just interacting with her, she's the most amazing young lady. And my younger one is going to be 15 in, in two weeks. So absolutely just, just, how their minds work, right? Their, <laughs> their emotions, you know, we're going through the teen years and they're just wonderful young ladies, but they're going through all this stuff, right? Yeah. And, and how how they react to certain situations and, and me being a dad, just trying to be cool, calm and collected and, and help them through the struggles. You know, life is not easy and it has high highs and low lows, which is similar to survivor survivor. I've always said is just an extreme slice of life, But if you take the lives of teenagers these days, there's very survivor minutes and and incidents in their lives. So I think absolutely having gone through so far with my daughters and then that does help me and arm me with additional information and kind of life experiences to uh, relate on Survivor.
2: So we talked earlier about how in Pearl Islands you were the leader of your tribe, acknowledged full stop. Is that something that you came to naturally, or was that something that people thrust upon you?
1: So that was thrust upon me. So we're in our our little shelter there, and uh, I can't remember who brought it up, but they said, look, we need a leader. And then somebody else said, Savage, you need to be our leader. And uh, so I'm not – stupid, right? So I I'm a Survivor fan and I know that leaders don't make it very far. And and I said, "Okay, I can I'll, I'm happy to be your leader." And I said, "But here's how I'm going to lead and this is what didn't make the cut." So I got everyone around. I said, "Here's how I'm going to lead. All material decisions are going to be put for a vote. I will give my guidance in terms of what we should do, but then we're voting and the majority rules." The way I am, the way I'm wired, I'm not this boisterous kind of demagogue and uh totalitarian kind of thing so and it worked it actually worked out really well and there were some decisions that were made that that majority ruled and and then my argument would be you know you can't come after me at tribal because that majority decided that and uh again no one ever thought about at least as far as i know no one thought about writing my name
2: down
0: yeah we certainly don't see it on the show that anyone ever has that conversation so
2: right looks like
0: your plan might have worked then
2: Yeah, so I guess since that was thrust upon you the first time, if you get back on, uh, would you try to be a leader there or would you try to shy back from that?
1: Yeah, so I definitely would not shy back from it. Uh, My sense is second chance season, if you you guys have seen the list, there's some pretty uh, kind of leader-worthy folks, male and female. female. So my, my sense is no one is going to say, oh, Savage, you need to be our leader, right? And for me... I don't care what your title is, if you're a leader or whatever, you lead by example, right? So at Tribe, you have a solid work ethic and, and you're not lazy. You get up and you do the tough things that just need to get done. It's like table stakes. So I lead by example and you go to challenges and you're sleep deprived and you're starving and you're dehydrated. And guess what? It's a challenge. So you have to give it a thousand percent, everything you possibly have. And, and that's that's what I do. And that's what I expect from others. And whether you're the leader or not, that's what you need to do to, to, uh, it's really a respect for the game, right? It's one of the greatest shows in the history of television, certainly, uh, one of the greatest fan bases and the fans in the show deserve a thousand percent effort all the time. I mean, it's such an honor to be on that list. I can't tell you the folks that would give their left arm to be on that list so,
0: well, you you mentioned one of them earlier in this interview because uh, I know yeah. Rhino has been just for years hoping that that call was coming and it just hasn't come.
1: And it breaks my heart because he's like my little brother. Yeah. And uh, we we were joined at the hip and I couldn't do what I did in Pearl Islands without him and his support. And he's just the greatest, greatest guy and so loyal. And it breaks my heart. I would love nothing more than for him to be on the second chance season list. But uh just... Now,
2: obviously, not my decision. Wasn't, yeah. meant Wasn't meant to be, unfortunately. Well, this is what we got to do. Then we got to get you on. Uh, you know, you'll be great, and then they'll go looking back for Pearl Islands and they'll pull Rhino out for another second chance season.
1: That sounds perfect, yeah. and he he, and he would totally deliver too. He's 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 raring to go like I am.
0: Yeah. So hey, bel- no pressure. It's just all on you to get Rhino back on.
1: <laughs> I, I take I take that challenge. I will deliver.
0: All right. Savage, thank you so much for spending some time talking to us tonight. And a reminder to everyone listening, if you haven't done it while you were listening to this podcast, start voting Survivor Second Chances right now for Andrew Savage. Hopefully, you're going to get back on and we can talk to you after this upcoming season about how well you did.
1: Absolutely. John, Matt, I can't thank you enough for having me on your show. I truly appreciate it. And as soon as I get back from Cambodia, I'll, uh, I'll reach out to you guys. We'll do this again.
0: Great. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care.
0: Bye.
2: Bye.
1: That's
2: what it's like when a woman wants a baby.